And welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talk and Preps podcast. Uh, we're joined again today by Jim Paulson. Jim was not with us last week. We had a, <clears throat> excuse me, we had a special guest last week, soccer coaches breaking down the start of the playoffs. We've got Jim back today where he belongs, and we're still in playoff mode, only this time the subject is football. And Jim, you got a lot to say. You're like a garden hose that's been kinked, and now we're letting it go, and here comes the water pressure. Well, you know that's 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 uh, going to be hard to live up to because now I'm I'm getting um, tongue tied and gun shy. Uh, we we talked a lot of, before the podcast about what we wanted to say here, and and uh, um, I think maybe I got so far into the weeds I'm not exactly sure how to get back out and and say what I'm talking about. But um, this year in this week in football, um, the final games of the regular season, as they traditionally are on Wednesday, and this year some on Thursday because of the 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 uh, referee shortage or teams have moved some of their games to a Thursday to alleviate some of that pressure on having to have so many uh, officials on one night. Um, but at, we'll have a lot of things decided this week in terms of section seatings and what teams um, go where, what teams are going to be seated where. And I've had, had there been some controversy in some things I wrote when I written, wrote that a lot of the section seatings are based on QRF, which is the What's that called? The, the quantitative results formula, something like that. Um, but uh, it, it's an algorithm that ranks teams on MinnesotaScores.net website. Um, very handy, works very well. And a lot of sections have decided that they want to lean on the QRF. Some will use them straight up, um, who's ranked where for the section seatings. Others will use coaches voting as they have in the past. But I do know that even those ones that have coaches voting, will lean on the QRF heavily to uh, make their cases and to uh, to rank teams uh, within their section. Um, coaches voting, as Dave, as you know, in a, uh, can be a little bit contentious. What was the word you said one coach told you? that uh, coach that Bloody. Section? Bloody. Yeah, and, and it also, um, using the QRF, can help sections and avoid coaches doing things like manipulating the votes uh, in order to get the section seatings they want, you know, maybe seating a team too high in their voting or seating a team too low. And when it's all human, all said and done, and when the, uh, the votes are tallied up, a team could end up being in a position that they probably don't, don't deserve to be. Um, so the QRF is handy in that regard. Even though coaches do voting, don't believe for a second. If anybody that, that emailed me or texted me or posted that uh, it's done strictly by coaching, don't believe for a second that, it's just coaches' opinions. The QRF is very much in play in every section, and uh, I can't think of one that isn't. And if you, if you deny it, then I'm sorry, that's not being honest. The, the, the QRF is highly in play. Let's just admit, that's, this, though, the QRF is far from perfect. It's an algorithm that takes into account results, strength of schedule, and further on down the line, you know, the future results of teams that you've beaten or lost to, and that can make a difference. It doesn't take into account intangibles like injuries or position changes or how a team is playing at one point or another, or even a team that is, uh, has changed up its offense or changed up its approach. Um, it's just strictly based on results. Or if the quarterback fell in or out of love, because that can be a factor with 16- and 17-year-olds too. Yeah. That's, that's why, Jim, I mean, you never know what happened. That's exactly it. That's why I call it, Jim, I refer to it as the perceived strength of schedule. Yeah. 
you know, and that's an interesting point that uh, we just assume when we're talking athletics at any level that teams and athletes are going to perform the way they have their entire season. Um, there are too many things going on, and particularly in the life of a 16 or 17 or 18-year-old, to uh, uh, just conclude that everybody uh, will be able to do the same things on week one or on week four and then week eight as, as they have all season. There are so many things going on in people's lives that can make a, a difference. Um what is your thoughts on the QRF? How, do you like the QRF, or do you do you wish it would go back to just straight voting with by coaches? I think the more tools you can have at your disposal, the better. Um, I mean, I, I think about our All Metro team in football. We could conjure up a pretty competent All Metro team. I'm I'm quite confident of that because we've got statistics and we've got team results and we've got recruiting camp information and. To me, though, the, the when we sit down and, and talk with coaches over dinner, uh, that's that's the one tool I lean on the most. But I'm glad to have the other tools. So putting it in a scheduling context, I'm glad we have QRF. I think it's an it's a worthwhile tool, but it's 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 not an absolute. Um, coaches seating, I think, is is very important and probably should be leaned on the most. But it's not an absolute because now you're inviting human, you know deliberate human error <laughs> so it's uh you know and the other thing too to keep in mind here is we've got different animals we've got 9a through uh excuse me nine man through 5a and then we've got 6a nine man through 5a you know what section you're in and you know who the teams are that are involved whether or not there's a buy in the first round and so on and so you can you know, if you wanted to be manipulating things, if you are a section that that seeds on coaches' vote, then you know you, there is there is probably more of a reason to play that game, um, dishonest as it is. In six A, you got to remember all thirty two, and yes, we are back to thirty two teams this year. All thirty two teams are going to a NCAA basketball style bracket, and. When you get through the seeding part of the process, the next part is the brackets themselves are chosen randomly. I think there's four options. So you don't know, other than trying to push for the best seed possible for your program, you don't know exactly where that'll take you as far as the matchups and so on. So I, I think 6A should be a little less bloody. However, a new grenade was rolled into the tent this year with the start of the gold and maroon divisions you've got teams uh 14 of the 16 gold teams excuse me the 16 gold teams uh, have a great deal of pedigree in terms of playoff success and so on and then you've got the the 14 teams in uh in uh, the maroon who do not and so you've got this and i know we said we had 32 and i just added up to 30 i know but we, we bring in uh brainerd and i think coon rapids here for the playoff portion of the schedule. So you have these very clearly defined districts based, or excuse me, divisions based on strength of programs. Seating is gonna be that, uh, negotiating is gonna be that much more difficult for the Maroon because you don't have a perceived strength of schedule to brag about. And, and so I'll be very curious to see, people were concerned about this back in May and we're, we're just now not getting to putting it into practice. I'll be very con interested to hear feedback from coaches about how this went. You know, I, it, that maroon and gold will make a big difference. Uh, this year, uh, we're seeing one very strong example, and that Stillwater was 
um, seated in the maroon, which is kind of like the have-nots division, uh, but they are undefeated in 7-0. and um, When we say the have-nots, when you talked about a pedigree, it's it's a recent pedigree, because Stillwater did have a lot of success under George Stoll and, and won some state championships, but I think the it had to be the, the pedigree we were looking for is the last 15 years, was it? 20 years, something like that, when they divided these division up. Um, but I, even coach, the, the Stillwater's coach, Bo Labor, admits what did he call them one night after a game. He said, we know that we're the, the JV. He said that tongue-in-cheek, obviously, because I, I think that uh, you know, they've done everything they've had to do, go out and beat every opponent that they've had to beat, and they're undefeated. So there's n- nothing more they could do about it. But um, the strength of schedule and the strength of opponents um, are clearly a little bit different at the gold level than they are at the maroon. And this takes us all the way back in full circle to talking about the QRF. But you look at the QRF right now, and they've got Stillwater as the number two team in Class uh, 6A in terms of QRF. Is Stillwater the number two team in Class 6A in terms of of QRF, ahead of teams like Eden Prairie or Shakopee, whose only two losses have been to the top two teams in 6A, Eden Prairie and and Lakeville South? Um, is Is that a legitimate ranking? For Stillwater, they've won all their games. They've done everything they've had to do. Their points for and points against. Their averaging their average margin of victory is about 22 points a game. So they're playing extremely well. But are they doing it against a slightly lesser level of competition? That's the question you have to ask. And I don't want to be demeaning of the, to the teams that they've beaten because the Stillwater's had a few tough games. White Bear Lake nearly came back and beat them, and White Bear Lake is five and two. They 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 did beat them. Um, Centennial earlier in the year shut them out, and but they're held to a, a um, one touchdown. And we'll find out about Stillwater this week when they play their season finale Thursday at Eden Prairie. That'll be a huge telling game for where Stillwater is on this uh, um, on, on the scale and, and how they rank in the terms of the gold and maroon divisions. Well, and to that point, I say thank goodness for two teams or two things. First of all, thank goodness. We have this game at the end of the year between Stillwater, who absolutely does not deserve a number two QRF rating. <laughs> okay, They're, that's just how it is. They, they do not deserve that. Are they JV? No, that's oversimplifying it. And that's, that's right. coaches trying to manipulate their own impressionable youth. Come on, guys, let's keep a chip on our shoulder. And why not? You know, Stillwater, I drop my daughter off there every morning. They don't drive any bad cars in Stillwater. They're doing fine. So you got to come up with something to keep them salty. <laughs> and I, will, the, I will I will stress that that Labor said that tongue in cheek. Yeah, he said he he knew what he was saying, and and uh, I wasn't meant to. He wasn't meant to be demeaning to his team in any way. Yeah, 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 I understand. Second thing, the second thing that we can be grateful for is that all of these teams, nine man through six A, get to duke it out in the playoffs. We get to arrive at champions in those classes, and so everybody gets another chance come playoff time. And then we can see where we're at, you know, and, and then all of the seating and all of the dark throwing, uh, all of it doesn't matter anymore. Now, now it's let's show up and play and see what we got. So thank goodness we can say that. Oh, boy. Last year just ended on, on, on such a such a, a down note. Just kind of the season just ended and uh, it started late. It went through many cold nights and suddenly it was over. And uh, it was just such a disappointing year last year. It's good to be able to talk about things like seeding and playoffs one more time. After it gets taken away from you, you don't miss it till it's gone. And I'm glad we're back to a, a good old uh, football season. Um, 
one thing that I uh, I uh, noticed in the past week watching games, I covered Shakopee and uh, Lakeville South, and a lot of people thought that would be uh, not say an easy game for uh, Lakeville South because Shakopee is a very good team just because they lost their quarterback doesn't mean they're not going to compete. But they went out and really gave Lakeville South a battle last week. They beat them. They were up 14 to 13 at halftime. Lakeville South had only trailed one time before all season. That was when they gave up a first quarter touchdown to Prior Lake. And then they came back and scored, uh, I think, four straight touchdowns after that. Um, but it, it, the thing that was most intriguing to me about that game was how the game was played. Lakeville South um, runs that power T running offense that is very precise, very, a lot about speed and precision and guys you know, hitting the right holes at the right times and carrying out fakes and things like that. Um, Shakopee, when their you know, offense, their uh, the veer offense, that uh, read op offense that they had been running um, wasn't moving, they went to the old single wing, which is an offense that Shakopee ran before Ray Bedden got there under their former coach, Jody Stone. So we had a power T offense against a, an even more old school offense, the single wing, and it was working. It was fun. You know, I mean, to everybody that says that those offenses aren't fun to watch because they're antiquated, I disagree with you. You know, teams can execute them very well. You don't have to have a, a, a terrific thrower or a superstar receiver or a ton of offensive talent to uh, to um, uh, on, on your team. You can win with those offenses with um, just execution and how how, te- how well your team can play. And it really covers up a lot. I, I, I've been wondering for a long time, following Elk River's lead, why more teams don't go to those types of offenses. You, you don't need to have a superstar quarterback to have success with that. And uh, passing offenses, there's a lot of intangibles, a lot of variables that you cannot um, just develop on your own. So uh, it, it was fun to watch. And I'd like to see more teams actually adopt uh, unique offenses like that in order to help them succeed and be better once they get to the playoffs. So you were at Shakopee for that throwback game. Uh, can you confirm the rumor I got coming out of the press box that as those offenses started to play themselves out, you switched from computer laptop to typewriter and you put on a jean jacket? Well, actually, what was happening down the field is they were drawing up uh, plays in the dirt. Guy, <laughs> you, you, the guy, you go long, you take a veer behind the porta potty. Uh, you know, everybody was it was so like a sandlot. No, actually, it was it was actually a, a lot of fun, and there wasn't there wasn't uh, it wasn't just running either. I mean, Shakopee has a terrific receiver in uh, Nick Katona. He's a, a basketball player. He's six, I think he's five six six. Is going to um, UMD, but you know he just went deep and ju- out, out jumped the Lakeville South, South players for uh, uh, a couple of touchdowns. Um, and their quarterback, or the guy who was playing the, the quarterback in uh, the single wing, Jaden Hellerud, a running back, was throwing good balls. South Lakeville South got their final touchdown on a on a kind of a tight end on a hot read uh, down the steam of the middle on a good pass from Camden Dean. So they, there was some throwing going on. It wasn't just old school, but the offenses were successful. They were hitting the holes quickly. Um, it forced defenses to play a more discipline style of game where it can't be freelancing you have to stay in your gaps you have to to read your reads properly and, and not try to do too much and the game still went quickly and uh i i thought why don't more teams do this why don't more teams be looking at the success that some teams have had with these old school offenses why aren't we seeing more teams adopt those 
But so I got, that's, I'm throwing it to you. I want your opinion. Why not? Well, I, I, first of all, I want to go back to something. I had Shakopee way back uh, when they played Prior Lake uh, in uh, earlier in September. And I got to give a shout out to Jaden Hellerud for what you just said, that he was he stepped in and it was kind of the quarterback by default there. The, he In that game, Hellerud had a cast on, I believe it was his right hand. I, I forget which, but he was just coming back from that and was still running the ball very effectively. And so he said it was going to be coming off soon when I asked him about it. And apparently it's it's off because I don't think you could do what he was doing as a quarterback with that on your hand. So he's had he's kind of been through it this year. So good for him for fighting back and being productive no matter the circumstance. No, and and it's good to be able to recognize a few more kids. I mean, we've talked so much about what about Dominic Jackson, the Shakopee quarterback, and what he meant to the team and what his loss uh, cost the team. But let's not forget that there's an awful lot of still an awful lot of good football players on that Shakopee football team. Now they've got an offensive lineman in Martin Coivisto, who's a, a, a D1 player. This is that was a very good team. And Ray, like Ray Benton said, the season didn't end when uh, it was their coach Ray Benton didn't end when Dominic Jackson um, went down. The team had to adjust a little bit to. Uh, the disappointment, but I thought the game against Lakeville South just showed me that that's a team that's still uh, plenty dangerous when they get to the postseason. Absolutely, that's that's good that they had a good showing anyway. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's. Can you believe we're already to the end of the regular season, Dave? We've got uh, just a uh, uh, one, well, actually two more nights of football. We got uh, uh, Wednesday and uh, eight or nine games, and mostly in Class Six A on Thursday, and next week we're already being in the first round of the football playoffs Tuesday night. Um, we're also looking at uh, state tournaments coming around pretty soon. We've got uh, tennis will be up a, a week from, uh, I think on Tuesday, I think it would be the, the first game of the uh, first uh, day of the state tennis tournament will be on the, the 26th of October. So, um, and this will be our first fall state tournaments in two years. So, you excited? It is, yeah. Yeah, the Mr. and Miss Minnesota soccer finalists just came out. So, just one more thing. You talk about playoff time and now we get into the individual awards portion of things. It's it's just it's a very exciting time to see all these kids' hard work coming to fruition. You know, speaking of one sport that we have talked about very little this year, and which is uh, to my chagrin because I'm a I'm a volleyball lover, is volleyball. I uh, I wrote a story that um, appeared today on in Star Tribune on the Minnesota Volleyball Hub on uh, girl Ella Vogel, who is perhaps the best libero in the state. Uh, and if you don't, if you're not a volleyball person, you would say, "What the heck is a libero? It's a, a player who is defense only. They don't get a chance to attack. They don't get. They, they can't set the ball uh, in front of the attack line. They got a lot of rules of what they can do, but they're so vital to, this, to, to the team. And it's also a great position for your shorter volleyball players because it is such a game that has evolved for tall girls on the front line. Even setters are not short anymore. But there's room for the girl who wants to play volleyball, but isn't. Uh, a string bean um, to play and has success. And Ella Vogel leading an undefeated Wyzetta team, a team that hasn't lost since 2019 when they won the state championship. I think they won 47 matches in a row, I think it is. Um, so th- it's, it was a chance to acknowledge what's going on in the world of volleyball again. And we will be um, into the volleyball playoffs very, very soon. Four classes this year uh, rather than three. And the State High School League has confirmed that volleyball will be able to play all four, all of their games uh, and have all four classes held at the uh, at the um, XL Energy Center, where um, which was 
they were curious about to begin with. It had in the past been a three-day tournament. Now they've got an extra fourth day, so they can accommodate all the, all the teams in the, in the entire games. Yeah, soccer too. We went up from two classes to three. Cross country as well. Two classes to three. Cross country is self-contained on one day down at St. Olaf. Soccer is going to be a bit more of a beast. As a matter of fact, the uh, they're bumping the third place games out to uh, I think it's I forget what they call that dome in, in West St. Paul on Robert Street. Um, so they have to make some you know minor adjustments. But you know, hey, that happens in hockey right now. If if you you know if you lose in the first round of the hockey state tournaments, you 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 go to either Tria or Mariucci. So it it happens, and it's just what can you do? You know, you, you, something's got to give. I think, I think basketball, um, those games have been moved to, uh, I, I believe, um, uh, Yangelhoff Center, if I'm not mistaken, over in this. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say, I thought, so yeah, that's that would be it. Yeah, because coaches want extra games. You know, it's not a state tournament if you only get one game if you're one and done. And so they, they want that same experience, even if it's not in the big venue. Yeah, that that one and done is almost as bad as not having it at all, you know. So it's it's good that they, you know, it's good they can make it work to give them a little bit more of an experience. Now, particularly with added classes when the first rounds, the quarterfinals don't get televised. That's right. it's, almost, it's almost like you weren't in a state tournament. So, um, but it, the first round, those kids in the first round, also they don't get to move on for a consolation on either. It's only third game, the third place games that are continuing along. Um, is there anything else we missed that we haven't talked about? Is there any any games that you're looking forward to? Is there any upcoming uh, um, articles that you're going to write? I look forward to all of the things I write. Yeah, so it's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we, I think, we're, we're over the 20 minute mark. I think we gave the people what they want. So what uh, should we should we put a bow on it? Absolutely. All right. Well, you just heard everything that's coming up. We will be at everything because that's what we do. And uh, please follow us on the various hub sites, startribune.com. We'll be back for talking preps, and uh, we'll, we'll have all the playoff action as it is unfolding. Thank you.